Spectre Creative Studio. Hey guys, before we start the show today, I just wanted to personally say thank you. We are officially four weeks in, and because of you, our viewership has grown each week and our diversity of listeners has grown with it. You've been telling your friends, posting on social media, and reaching out personally. The response has been incredible, and your stories are truly inspiring. Are you wondering how do we keep up the momentum? Well, I'm glad you asked, because without you guys, this show would not be able to continue to reach people and motivate others to invest in their own passions. We have new episodes every Tuesday and have a lot of great things coming down the pipeline as well. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts to get notified of new episodes. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, please leave us some reviews. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and it really helps us connect with other people. Finally, please continue to reach out to our email, whatscoolpod at gmail.com. We've gotten some amazing messages, some requests for guests, and people asking to join the conversation. The podcast is about the listeners, so please help us bring you what you want to hear. We are growing together. Email not your thing? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, however you social media. You can find us on all these platforms at What's Cool Pod. Connect with us, stay updated on new shows and content, and get more information about each week's guest. Now, without any further delay, here's What's Cool with PJ Campanero. Everybody is enjoying themselves to their fullest extent. It's a wonderful sight seeing people genuinely enjoying themselves. There's no false pretense about this whatsoever. Welcome to What's Cool, a podcast about passions and everything else. I'm your host, Sam Bry Will, and I would like to welcome this week's guest, well, special guest, attorney, mentor to me, and a great friend, PJ Campanero. Hi, PJ. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm just busy, busy. I bet. (laughs) It's so good to have you on. Thank you for giving me an hour of your time. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. So uh, to kick off the show, um, I'd like to kind of ask a general question of, can you tell me like what you do now and how you got there? Um, so I'm an attorney in private practice, which to some people that doesn't really mean anything, but, um, what that means is, you know, private citizens hire me to represent them on cases. So I don't work for the state or the government or the county. Mm -hmm. Um, I just work for my clients and I do family law, which a lot of times is a divorce case or a child custody case or a legitimation or paternity case or an adoption. Family law encompasses a lot of different things. Um, contempt for violating divorce orders, um, you know, a huge range of things, child support cases. Um, I also do criminal defense, which can be anything from a speeding ticket to, you know, murder. Right. And then also I do some medical malpractice cases and that's, you know, if a doctor commits negligence or a hospital or, you know, EMTs, anybody in that medical field, um, I do a few of those cases. Okay. So you have a a long range of things that you work on. (laughs) Well, I do. And I'm licensed in South Carolina and Georgia. So, um, I do all those things in two different states. I'm also licensed in Tennessee. I don't really do a lot of stuff in Tennessee right now. 
It'd probably be harder to drive back and forth. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, how cool. On the Zoom, it might be easier. Who knows? Right. I know that's that's been a fun thing about the podcast because I think everyone now is like used to Zoom like noise, especially like from watching TV and things like that. So it's kind of like not lowered the bar, but definitely like made it a little bit more approachable to do this kind of stuff, which is really yeah. I mean, it seems it seems natural now because I've actually done hearings and cross-examined people and yeah oh my god <laughs> have like a zoom filter on when you're cross-examining video that I would have never thought I was going to be doing I know wow um so let's see you had a radio show of your own is that correct I did, mm-hmm. and- I did on um WGAC for three years wow what did you do on that radio show um, the radio show was about, you know, legal, just legal topics, you know, we okay. would have people call in and ask questions. And then also, you know, recent, um, I guess either crime or legal issues that were happening in the community as well as some political stuff. Right. So like hot topics and like, yeah, yeah. That, okay. That kind of thing. Whatever's going on in the community, we would talk about that. Right. Did you find it hard to express yourself honestly in some of those situations where, you know, you have like a lot of people listening to you or did you kind of just like bite the bullet and say, I'm going to say what I feel? Well, I mean, you're on the radio, so it's not like a podcast where you could, you know, like drop the F-bomb if you feel Mm -hmm. like it or, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And also I was on an extremely conservative radio station. So, um, you know, you've got, anybody that was listening that was from this area that's the same radio station there's a very conservative um, radio host Austin Rhodes it's on their daily so I mean right. this was like the most conservative station <laughs> so, no they never you know I was never judged or told don't talk about this don't talk about that so I mean that's it's cool. not that they put those limitations on me it's just I, sometimes I knew who my audience was and they were not going to be in agreement with a lot of the things I discussed and talked about, but that was okay. Um, yeah, it's good I, to have open conversation. I think, um, yeah, I think for me, I've listened to your show a few times and just knowing like where the station sits as far as like on the spectrum, I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine. I mean, there's probably a lot of fear to be honest with you. Like I have, sometimes I have fear about speaking my opinion on things. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't want to get, you know, um, uh, like a, an email or something like that that's like you know berating me for what I said or I don't want to put somebody on blast and have them you know come after me but I think also the authenticity is a huge part of uh what people like and what people kind of tune in for yeah so well and I have a hard time you know I'm not very good at being fake so even if I'm trying to hide my you know feelings or thoughts on a subject I think they usually come through yeah. <laughs> I'm the same not easy to hide it. <laughs> yeah it's hard to hide that especially we have very similar personalities too so it's definitely hard to I mean that probably that's what makes you good at your job too I'm sure it's like this connection to what you're saying and like this authenticity and this passion behind your words it just kind of pushes the message further a little bit I mean, I hope so. You know, I try, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I try to tell clients too, when they have unrealistic expectations, like this is, you know, this is not realistic or healthy or, you know, something you want to be striving for. So right. steer them, you know, in the right direction. But at the end of the day, I'm an advocate for my clients. So. Right. There you go. And I, I mean, it seems like a part of being an advocate for your clients, like you're saying is like 
letting them know that the expectations, like where they should sit, because you don't want to set somebody up for failure and say, yeah, you're going to win this case. We're going to get you all these damages. You're going to be a millionaire. And then them end up maybe not having a case or them losing the case or, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you, um, I found that if you give unrealistic expectations, you're going to end up with a very unhappy an angry client at the end right. of the case because when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, you've, you've sold them a bag of goods that didn't come through. Right. So. Especially. Um, and, and sometimes that happens even, you know, when you do your best and you know, you, you have a great case, maybe the judge was in a bad mood that day. Maybe the facts just aren't on your side, whatever, but right. you know, I'm not going to tell my client, Oh, you're going to get the moon and stars when they're not. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like for me, I'd rather have somebody who would be straight up with me and say, look, this is the deal than just kind of go in something blindly and then have like a hundred percent positive expectation when, you know, that's just not realistic. So I'm sure at the end of the day, it probably saves your ass a little bit just being, I mean, cause I've met a lot of attorneys and I am sure that there are probably plenty of people who promise a lot and not that they're not able or equipped to like deal with you know, or like to provide that, but moreover, just like the, the facts of the matter are not setting up how they should be. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, you know, like a client come in they're like, well, this attorney told me I was going to get that. My husband was going to get supervised visitation. I'm like, there's no way they can promise that. Right. Cause it's you can ask for it and you yeah. can do everything you can to advocate for that and give, if there is in fact a legitimate reason for that to happen. But you can't make those promises because we can't make the judges do, you know, what we want them to. We can do our best to put your client in the best position possible. But if you're making promises, and I tell people, I'm like, well, if that attorney promised that they can do that, then you need to go to that attorney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might be the ones to get your case dealt. Yeah. Um, something's going on there. Or I know. <laughs> find out that uh, they're not telling the truth. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and ask you, how did you get into law? Like when you were in college, when did you decide it then? Were you always wanted to be an attorney? Like what was your journey to law school? So um, in college, I think is when I decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I was pretty much pre, pre-law, which I mean, there's really, there was really no pre-law major, right. but there were certain majors that they told you to kind of go towards mm -hmm. if you wanted to go to law school. And I was an English major. Okay. That's right. At, at, yeah. And then a political science minor. And mm -hmm. then at one point I was like, Oh, well maybe I'll be a teacher. And I took like one <laughs> early education class. And I realized very quickly, this is not for me. No. And I'm going to have to go to law school because I cannot be a teacher. <laughs> um, that's not going to work. I also did, um, in undergraduate school at Tennessee, go Vols. Hey. Um, I did mock trials. So that was, you know, that inspired me in a lot of ways, which mock trial is, um, in college, you know, you get a case file and you work right. it, you know, through, through competitions, um, locally, you know, like regionally, then um, I think like Southeastern and then nationals. Wow. And so I was actually the president. I can't remember. It was like some pre-law fraternity thing or something. Okay. Yeah. I can't That's remember cool. what it's called. That's so, it was such a huge <laughs> deal back then. And I cannot even remember what it's called. 
Um, <laughs> and so I did all that and, you know, it was just, you know, it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a prosecutor. I did not, I was like, I will work for pennies. I don't care because mm-hmm. I want to be in a courtroom and mm-hmm. I want to prosecute criminals. Right. And that was that, I think the whole mock trial thing plus, um, just realizing like, you know, I wanted something exciting, you know, yeah. I, wanted, I didn't want to be sitting at a desk 24 seven. I love that. When we did mock trial in high school and you were one of the mentors, which is how we met, that was a huge, um, yeah, that was a huge thing for me too. I really, I don't know. I think I had, I don't, not like the semantics of court, but like I had a preconception of how things were and my grandfather was an attorney. So it was really neat to be in like, to get an insight into that process with people who were like giving their time up, like you and Alex were to, you know, like teach the, teach the future about, the courtroom procedure. And I think we had a lot of opportunity, especially with um, like being able to go to the court and also like competing and just seeing different kinds of attacks and methods to like, I don't even know, like, I guess to like follow that through to like present a case to defend a case. Um, and I feel like for me, that was less about the court thing, but also like kind of curing my brain to have like a logical steps like that's the first time I really remember trying to understand like logic in the way that like this is your argument and this is how it needs to be parsed out to kind of make your point come across and then also your goal is to like poke holes in another person's argument so it was really those skills that I learned in mock trial like although I'm not an attorney it's been good to uh it's been good to like take that through with me in life and I mean do you think that your skills like that you've learned have helped you outside of you know, in, outside of the courtroom as well? I think they help and then they can also be a hindrance too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, anytime, you know, someone is talking or, you know, even in friendships or whatever, I'm always, you know, in my mind, you know, picking stuff apart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it can be a bad thing. I mean, and, you know, I've seen a lot of things. I've worked on a lot of really, you know, rough cases, Mm -hmm. you know, both in domestic and criminal. And so, you know, there's an innocence that attorneys sort of lose. But as far as like, you know, analytical skills and logic skills, I mean, it's invaluable because you can always use that in everyday life. Oh, yeah. I think for me, it's just like, I start to see um, how people twist words or like, I've seen how people try to manipulate to get you to believe something or to like go with something or to make something, you know, like in an argument, whatever the case is. And so for me, like the skills have just been able for me to like parse out exactly what they're saying as like, and how they're saying it. And also kind of like putting those together to see what the end goal, like, what is their goal about? So I definitely recommend anybody listening, go take like a logic, like go read a logic book. It's just, it's awesome. I mean, obviously like I haven't been to law school, so I don't know what they teach you there, but I did um, prep for the LSAT a little bit like recently, just in case, you know, the podcast doesn't work out. And a lot of it is just like learning and um, it's cool though. I feel like it's nice to, I don't know, it's nice to keep growing and to keep those skills, because those are kind of skills that you can use every day, like you were saying, like, those aren't skills that you can, you know, you put away, like, if you're an engineer, you can use your engineering skills at work. It's not like you go home and you engineer how to fix your, I don't know, fix your cabinet. 
So those logic. Well, that's true. I'm not. This is that's true. I guess I'm not. Are handy. <laughs> yeah. All engineers are handy. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, I like. I want to like come back to what you said about wanting to be in the courtroom and that you don't care if you worked for pennies that you just wanted to be in the courtroom because I think that kind of I don't know like not motivation but that kind of fire and passion is something that I've also like transferred into some like doing this like at this moment I'm not really I'm not getting paid for this and this is I'm in the negative right I mean it's not like I'm in a lot in the negative but it's a like sacrifice that you put and your time value added is really important especially when you know you're working in a public sphere or you're doing something artistic so like how did you like when things got really tough how did you keep going how did you persevere through that well I mean I think the fact that you know I enjoyed what I was doing Mm -hmm. huge thing so you know when you're a prosecutor there's a very which translates as a defense attorney as well I didn't think that at the time. I was right. like, oh, the evil. You know, when I first, <laughs> not evil, but you know, the enemy. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, you get, I mean, there's sort of like a rush. There's like a rush from the courtroom. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're on either side, there's a rush when you actually help somebody and you have, you know, a victim and a crime um, that after the fact, you know, it's all said and done, you know, like you stood up for me, you helped me. I mean, and that, I mean, to me, that feeling was more beneficial and worth more than, you know, money. Because when mm-hmm. I'm, Tennessee did not pay prosecutors very well. Georgia, well, no state really does, but Georgia paid a little bit better. But Tennessee, when I graduated from law school, I had like a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of student loans. And my first job offer was $28,000 a year as assistant DA. Yeah. Um, And I was so, I mean, like I jumped on my bed and like did this like, (laughs) Yeah. When I look back on it, I was like, God, I mean, like I wasn't making anything. Right. You know, why was I so excited? (laughs) But at that time, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I did, I enjoyed it. I mean, immensely. Yeah. Um, Private practice has turned out to be equally as rewarding, but you know, I needed to go through those years. And really, that's kind of how you hone your skills. Because Mm -hmm. as a prosecutor, you're dealing with hundreds of cases, you're in the courtroom, usually every single day, if not twice a day, plus you've got to prepare for jury trials, you actually have jury trials, which a lot of attorneys don't end up having because 95% 95 of cases settle. Right. So, you know, you're getting those skills, you know, sharpened so that when you do come out, you end up being more experienced than anybody else, you know, as a defense attorney that's never been in that realm. Yeah. It's like, you got to hustle hard. And (laughs) yeah, there was, there was a lot of hustling. There were a lot of weekends, um, a lot of weekends spent in the office preparing for jury trials Mm -hmm. um, because it's not just, you know, like you watch law and order and they just kind of go in there and, do their thing yeah. and cases resolved in an hour. No. <laughs> I wish sometimes, I know. Um, but no, I mean, you got to prepare jury trials. you got to, and even a misdemeanor case, a misdemeanor jury trial, you still got a jury there and you still have 
sometimes more witnesses than you would in a felony case, like wow. a DUI. You've got like five or six witnesses, and then you're dealing with a jury that's like, well, I've you know gotten behind the wheel a couple of times when I probably shouldn't have. So right. I have sympathy for the de- uh, defendant. So I mean, there's there's a lot involved. Right, you're managing a lot of different personalities and a lot of different points of view and a lot of different backgrounds and things like that. So I feel like maybe a lot of it seems just to find like a follow through between everything to kind of find like that one fine line that everyone can like just making a point that everyone's kind of like understanding or I don't know. I mean, does that, is that how you would approach it? Yeah. I mean, you're wearing a lot of different hats. You got to please a lot of different people. You have to multitask quite a bit Mm -hmm. and you have to deal with confrontation. You know, I, as much as I enjoy being in the courtroom and that kind of confrontation, I yeah. don't like confrontation with people that I like. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wants to? I My... know, but some people are like, well, you're a lawyer, so you must love confrontation. I'm like, no, actually I don't like confrontation. Not yeah. with somebody, you know, that I care about and that I'm friends with or that I'm a colleague with. So right. it's hard to, you know, when you're friends with, you know, a defense attorney, they come in they're like, you know, I really need you to do this and on this case. And I'm like, no, I can't. Sorry. You know? Yeah. I think for me, it's like a horrible criminal. Right. And it's like, yeah, I mean, your personal like affiliations and things like that can't get in the way of your work because it's just, right. I mean, you have to dis- dissociate. Right. I mean, and I'm sure that's difficult, but a, a professional attorney probably is able to hone those skills or should be, or is actively honing those skills. Um, I, I want to say like, when I know that you have to manage a lot at work, And I know that like you and I have very similar um, situations from growing up and having to deal with just a lot of different things at one time. And so like, for me, I'm actually, I've got, I've got a lot of stuff going on right now and I got to like, like I'm actively trying to find a therapist, a counselor, somebody just to help me like manage every single thing that's happening to me right now. But a word that like keeps coming up in my head is resiliency, which has never actually been a thing before. And I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm at the age that I am and I'm like transitioning into something different. It's just 2020 has been like a crazy transformative year. And now things are coming to a head inside the home and outside of the home with politics and everything like that. It just seems like the pimple is about to like explode. But I mean, seriously, it's going crazy. But when I think about resiliency, I definitely think that you're a person that I look up to and like put in that category of people who who I feel like have been to able to make the best out of a certain kind of situation or been able to persevere and like, and not without cutting people off and not without, you know, just like shutting down. Do you have any tips on how to stay resilient and how to manage, you know, life in general, whenever things are going crazy? Um, I think the biggest thing is to, you know, make sure that you do have a support system. Like, even if you have a very small group of friends, if they're Mm -hmm. good and true friends that you can actually talk to about things like that, then, you know, that's important. I think laughing even at the most horrific and horrible things is really important because A, I'm, as I said, I've lost my innocence. I'm probably desensitized to a lot of things, but the laughter, you know, laughing about things that are going on because sometimes it's just so bad. It's ridiculous. Like it's true. (laughs) How is is it not funny? (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
how is this? I mean, like if I wrote this into a movie, they would say it was not a believable script. I know. I know. (laughs) I think people always say that I'm funny people. I've always heard that like growing up and it's like, it's so weird though. That's weird that you, I mean, the laughter is really what has gotten me through. Like I like to dance it out as I say. So like if I'm like in a mood or if I'm like really in a bad place, I just listen to like really crazy, like dance electronica music and just like go hard in my bedroom or whatever. But I think like speaking on issues that make you uncomfortable or that are like ridiculous, it is, laughter is so much a part of that coping mechanism. And like the people who are the funniest are usually the people who are like having to deal with the most shit, like honestly. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to remember that laughter because it is important. I think another way that I've just been trying to deal with, like, I feel like a lot of people, not that they're out to get me because that sounds weird and paranoid, but like, I feel like I'm a good target for people sometimes. I don't know. Cause I'm so myself and like, you know, like growing up in the South and like having to deal with certain kind of family dynamics, it just, people feel less inclined to be courteous to my own emotions because I am kind of like a forthright in like, outgoing kind of person so laughter is like definitely a way to do that I've just also been trying to like spread the love too you know like take all that negative energy and recycle it into positive energy and lean on the people who you were saying like your good friend group you can talk to or people that like actually care about you lean on those kinds of people to um, help you get through and I don't know I think yeah my mission right now is just spreading the love and like spreading the positivity and a lot of people who have listened to the podcast have been happy with that so that's been and this leads me to my next question it's been kind of overwhelming to have people tell me that like they've listened and then they got motivated to do something or that they needed this kind of positivity in their life or they needed something they didn't realize that xyz have you i'm sure that you have had clients that you've had really good success stories with and that people have kind of showered you with louds and you know praise I'm not used to that. So it's like kind of makes me uncomfortable and a little bit like I've had like maybe a hundred listeners, which is pretty good. I mean, in my opinion for such a early podcast and it's kind of overwhelming. So how do you deal with the positives? Cause I'm so used to dealing with negative things. That's pretty much easy for me. I'm used to that, but I'm not used to dealing with positivity. So how have you been able to like deal with your positive? Well, I mean, because there's often a lot of negative. I mean, we literally like have a folder where we keep, we call it like the goodie file, Mm -hmm. where we keep all of like positive letters and reviews and things like that. Because sometimes, you know, you need that. Like that's what keeps you going is, especially in this job, because, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen one day you you lose a case and it's horrific and you're sad and then the next day you like win everything yeah. like i had a week like a week a couple of weeks ago and like everything went my way like court wise the entire week right. so that's unusual yeah <laughs> because i mean the facts are the facts you can't right so um you know, but that was like, you know, I had, you have to remember, you know, I did have that week and everything went right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it all came together and that, you know, those are the things that get you through and you should not feel uncomfortable about it, but keep, you know, if there's a way to memorialize those positive things, I would keep those because there's going to be day, there's going to be weeks where nothing goes right. Nothing goes right at work or at home. And you need something to reflect on to say, you know what, this will get better. 
Yeah, I like like last night before I went to bed, I was feeling a kind of way and I had a friend text me and he was just giving, he was the first guest that I had on the podcast, my friend Alex, and he just texted me. He's like, you know, I've been really happy with what I'm hearing. And I think that, you know, you have, um, a, I don't want to say a gift because that sounds so like cheesy, but you have something going on. You know, this can go somewhere. You could really help people. And so like last night, I like screenshotted it. That was like, you know, yesterday. So kind of yesterday was a little hectic. So last night before I went to bed, I just reread that and I was like, okay. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I'm going to make a little goodie file, like a goodie box or something like that. That's a good idea. I love that idea. Working on, um, yeah, the positive things. That's awesome. Thanks for that little bit of insight. Before we go, I do want to ask you real quick, um, what is your passion? Like, what would you say? I would say, I would assume justice might be your passion because you're an attorney, but maybe, you know, you have a different kind of perspective. You know, I think justice is a good summary because it encompasses more than just, you know, being a lawyer, going to the courtroom, um, right. you know, and work-wise, I would say that would be, you know, my passion, but there are certainly other things other than being an attorney that I would love to explore. I mean, you and I have talked about, you know, like the true crime yeah. podcast or documentaries and mm -hmm. things like that. I think that would be, you know, something amazing to explore. Um, but I do, I do still get passionate about the law. I mean, because I enjoy, you know, going in there and battling it out and right. getting a good result. Um, but after 20 years, you know, you want to branch out too, and you want to take that to other areas of your life. And then obviously I have other passions like my kids, you know, I yeah. have two kids and, you know, I enjoy, they play soccer and they're like beast children and yeah. I love watching <laughs> them. And that gives me a lot of joy too. Yeah. You're, um, you're rearing powerful ladies. Like this is <laughs> that's right. And I they don't, that. you know, I remember once I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go be a yoga instructor or something. <laughs> which is ridiculous. I would be like a horrible yoga instructor, but um, <laughs> I'm not Zen. Yeah. No. <laughs> Me neither, man. So, um, but I mean, I was just, you know, it's frustrating week or something like that or frustrating right. day. And my kids are like, what? No, you're a lawyer. We can't imagine you not being a lawyer. Right. Our mom's a lawyer. Oh. I mean, it, and it made me feel so good because they actually, you know, even though I am, I do work a lot and I'm away from them a lot, they see that there is some value to that. Right. I love that. That's amazing. Um, I do want to like, so being an attorney, being a lawyer and being a mom, how do you feel like we can ensure justice for our future generations? Like everything that's going on is even too much to even unpack right now. But just from your perspective, how do you feel like anybody and everybody can kind of apply a mentality to ensure justice for future generations? Which is kind of a big question, but. Pretty big one. But, <laughs> but I think to me, you know, regardless, you know, of what political side you're on, whether you're Trump supporter or, you know, on the left or Biden or whoever, yeah, I mean, there's just no civility anymore. Like people are just rude. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're rude and they're mean. And like, somehow it's been okay to be that way, which I, you know, I would blame on Trump because he's rude. Right. 20, you know, 24 seven. But, um, I mean, people need to, I think, like, go inside and say, you know what, I may believe these values, but I don't have to be rude about it. I don't have to be nasty about it. Right. I don't have to be, you know, just a bad person. Right. 
I mean, just, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like a what would Jesus do kind of thing. Jesus would never act like this. No. It's like treating people like they're people instead of treating people like they're just Human political being. objects. Yeah. I think we've lost a lot of humanity. And I feel like having conversations like this just lets even people just know that we've all been through we've all faced adversity some a lot more than others but at the end of the day like your adversity can teach you how to appreciate other people's adversity yeah and with i mean even when i was a prosecutor and we would do this thing called jail clearing every day at the solicitor's office in richmond county and so literally it's people that got arrested the night before and they come through court and you and a lot of them are not represented and so you have to talk to them and sign them up for right. whether they jury trial or plead guilty that kind of thing right i mean these are people you know they've committed crimes they're in jail but you know what you never i never treated anyone unkind or you know was was mean i mean that's just it's just not right no matter if you disagree with somebody or whatever right you just need to be kind kindness I mean, wins yeah and i think if people remember that then mm -hmm. you know i think we will get better and we will change but it just seems so just full of hate right now i yeah i think um yeah so let's we can look towards the future and look towards building a kinder society and a kinder mentality for everyone yeah being more civil to each other i mean if, uh, i used to watch mad men and the way they talk they i do too and they like the, I mean, they can get their point across, but they right. never mean. Right. They were like not civil. It was always very, you know, polite. Yes. And I, I was like, I hate to say it, but I kind of wish that we could go back. To, I mean, a lot of things about that time sure. were bad. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to being Peggy in the Stenopole, but right. I would love to have that at least level of civility. Yeah, I don't even want, I was going to say like class, but that's not even, it's not even a class thing because there's a lot of people who, you know, don't have a lot of money who still know how to treat people right and well. So it's just like, I think, yeah, just remembering that we're all humans and that other people's opinions do not have to be your opinions and other people's views don't have to be your views. And at the end of the day, I feel like everybody just wants what's best for themselves and their children, whatever that looks like. So if we can just remember that about our opponents as well, like, I'm yeah, sure sometimes I have my moments. Certainly. I mean, me too. I am radical <laughs> in some ways. I, I can get fired up. But, but I, I saw a post like on Facebook the other day and it says, if you're a Democrat, you hate the United States of America. No, no, we just, you know, maybe you have a different idea of how to get where right. we need to be. That's all it is. It's just it's literally a different path. I mean, and that's why I'm, I'm like, stuff like that to me is just no need. No, I mean, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, or if I, I were to say, if you're a Republican, you hate America. Right. That's I mean, not true both ways. exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, having a political opinion to me shows that you actually care about what. Well, that, that's what my response was. I was. Like the only reason people are so passionate on both sides is that they care. And actually, that means they love the United yeah. States. Absolutely. I, yeah, I kind of, I love, um, I mean, I've lived in China, like I've been abroad, I've been to a lot of different countries and I've seen how people do different things. Not that I think, I think America needs a lot of work, but I feel like the essence of what the United States is, what I believe America to be, like what I was brought up to believe America could be, is why I believe in our country. And I believe that fighting and making sure that, you know, 
justice for everyone and making sure everyone has an equal seat at the table is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you don't have that, then you just end up with like a monoculture. So who, yeah. I mean, who wants Gross. that? <laughs> it's so boring. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. I won't... Not exciting at all. <laughs> no. Um, right before we go, I want to read a quote that I saw this morning when I was going through my emails and it really spoke to me and I was just wondering what your opinion was on it. Um, the quote is, growth and comfort do not coexist. And that's by Jenny Romady, who is the um, CEO of IBM. So when you hear, I mean, because it was on some like business thing I follow, but I really like that quote because I feel like it speaks to me right now where I'm like extremely uncomfortable, but also extremely happy in the growth that I'm experiencing as a person. Have you found that quote to be true in your experience or do you feel like being comfortable is, I don't know, productive? I mean, in a way, I guess it is, but. No, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I don't think you need to always be in a state of, you know, like unrest because you know your body needs to like recoup and things like that even yeah. mentally and psychologically but yeah i mean i think that what is that there's another one it's like growth happens outside your comfort zone or something mm -hmm. like that so yeah i mean even now i mean i've been in the courtroom millions of times but there are days where i'm like i know i'm gonna have to do something that i haven't done before or i'm gonna have to you know right. kind of get nasty or whatever and yeah. Um, before I go in there, you know, of course I don't feel good about it. I'm like, Oh, I dread this. Like, you know, I don't want to do this. Right. Guess what? That's what I got to do. And so, you know, you suck it up and you do it. And then afterwards you're like, well, you know, that ended up well, that turned right. out well. And yeah. you know, I feel better for it, but absolutely. I think, you know, you can't just stay stagnant. You've got to change things up. And a lot of times that involves being uncomfortable. Definitely. Well, thank you for being an awesome guest on the show and I appreciate your time and um, I hope to have you back really soon. I definitely would love to come back and sorry, I got to cut it short, but for That's some okay. reason, my calendar is booked on my birthday. Which is <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you later. All right. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode of What's Cool an exploration of learning and connecting through our passions. Would you like to get in contact with us about your passions? Do you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show? Send us an email at whatscoolpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at whatscoolpod or on Facebook by searching What's Cool Podcast.